Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years' experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. confess that I was going to work from a different lectionary text for this episode. But then my friend, Reverend Nathan Stanton, provided a devotion on this subject for the bishop and our Great Plains Conference executive team recently, and it truly inspired me. So the words you're going to hear in this episode are indeed mine. I wrote them. But the concept, well, let's just say that I warned Nathan that I was going to steal liberally from him. So let's dive right into the scripture to get us started. It's Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they caught. James and John, Zebedee's sons, were Simon's partners, and they were amazed too. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will be fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boats to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. There are a lot of aspects to this well-known story. After all, it is the first call of the disciples, the very first call of the first disciples. And they bring up names that we're familiar with, Peter and his brother Andrew. Now, Andrew's not in the text that I just read, but... This story and the other Gospels point out that it's actually Andrew who brought Peter to Jesus. Andrew was the first disciple. He's the connector. And we have James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And there's that promise that we know so well. Follow me and you will be fishing for people. Or in some translations, 
like most of us probably grew up with the King James Version in Sunday school. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You may be familiar with that translation. Those of us who have been around the church a while know these aspects of this story. So in this episode, I want to focus instead on a little more subtle lesson, one that comes from these verses. It's one of independence or of self-reliance and how we have to be willing to give that up. Now, I know the concept of independence is a badge of honor for many of us, but it actually can set us back if we're too proud of it. As Americans, when we think of independence, our minds tend to go to 1776 and the Declaration of Independence. The words that started off are so inspiring. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, of course, the founders weren't quite as noble of men as we were taught when we were young kids. We now recognize that when they wrote those words, they didn't really mean all men are created equal. It was really more like all white men are created equal. And if we want to be totally truthful about it, it was really all white men who own land are created equal. So not really all the equality, but you get the idea. This founding document was indeed revolutionary, both literally for the way it ushered in a war for independence and figuratively for the way it started to shift the way that the masses thought both here and abroad. So I thought it might be fun, even though it's not anywhere near the 4th of July, to go through a fun few Declaration of Independence facts. The so-called Founding Fathers gathered in Philadelphia starting July 1st, 1776 and they voted in favor of Thomas Jefferson's draft of the Declaration on July 4th. That's why we celebrate Independence Day on the 4th of July. But they didn't sign it that day. Most of the men actually signed the finished, polished, cleanly written copy on August 2nd. Five men signed it even later than that, and two men who were present for the proceedings on the vote didn't sign it at all. The youngest man to sign it was a man named Edward Rutledge, a lawyer from South Carolina. He was 26 years old. And you may have heard about the oldest man to sign it, Benjamin Franklin. He was 70. If you saw that movie National Treasure a few years back starring Nicolas Cage, you know the story that there's something written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Now in the movie, it was a code written in invisible ink to help people find this amazing, large, historic treasure. Well, there's nothing quite like that, but there is something written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. It says this, quote, Original Declaration of Independence, dated 4 July, 1776, end quote. Kind of the cool mysteries of history. Nobody knows who wrote that there. So precious was this original document, this Declaration of Independence, that it, along with the U.S. Constitution, 
after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. But both of those documents were taken under protective guards for safekeeping and stored at Fort Knox, Kentucky until almost the end of the war. And then, of course, there's the political reality. If any of these men had been captured by the British, they most likely would have been executed as being guilty of treason against the British crown. Pretty important facts from a pretty important document about independence. So what does it mean to be independent? As a nation, it means to have sovereignty, to have control over matters within your boundaries, not to be beholden to decisions made elsewhere. It means control over a group of people's collective destiny, one that they form together. As individuals, independence can have several meanings. It means freedom from control, influence, support, or aid from others not contingent upon something else for existence or operation. It means freedom of thought and decision-making. And those all sound really, really good. In our culture, we tend to celebrate independence. We marvel at independent thinkers. We like people who act without caring what others think. We love as a people to have control over our own lives. We glorify the concept of independence. From an early age, we teach our children that they need to rely on themselves to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. So, preacher, you may be asking, what the heck does a nearly 250-year-old document have to do with a bunch of guys on a boat? Well, just have a little fun with this. First, do you know of anything more independent than having a line in the water just as the sun comes up? Or is there anything more liberating when you're camping, for example, when you have that first catch of the day, especially if that really is supposed to be your breakfast? <laughs> okay, so I joke about those two things. For the real answer to the question, we need to look again at the scripture. The men have been out on the boat all night long. They've come back to shore after catching a little to no fish. They had done things their way, the way that they knew. They likely cast their nets in the shallower coves, waiting for fish to ram into their nets as they had done before. But on this night, they've caught nothing, or at least next to nothing. These men are tired. They may even be a little concerned about not having anything to sell that day in the market. You see, they tried things their way, their way of doing things, and doing them on their own totally independently? Well, on this day, that's failed them. But then, then there comes this new teacher, this rabbi named Jesus, and he tells them to do something that to them is totally counterintuitive. He's likely been walking around teaching about the kingdom of God and love for other people, but then he crosses into their world, where they are. He tells them to go back out, and this time to cast their nets into the deeper waters. They aren't happy about it. This is not the way to fish. They're professionals. This guy is a walking preacher. What does he know about fishing? But, but, there's just something about this rabbi 
something that makes them want to do what he suggests. So indeed, they do go back out, and they do as he said. Now, a normal catch in those days, from what I've read, may have been two to three dozen fish with each casting. The net goes into the water, the men let it dangle down, and then they reel it up quickly, and the fish that run into the net are captured in it. They pull the net into the boat, the fish fall into the boat, and then they do it all over again. Well, this time, it's not two or three dozen fish. They snag so many fish that their very sturdy nets were beginning to tear. The guys have to call in other boats, and they flop the nets full of fish onto them as well. And hundreds of fish start to weigh down these boats to the point where they begin to sink. When the first disciples, or should I say not quite yet disciples, do what Jesus said, they had to give up some of their independence. They had to give up some control. They had to trust in Jesus. And what was the result? Well, when it comes to fishing, we can say this was absolutely a success. That was the case with this first fishing expedition anyway. But I encourage you to look at this a little differently. They tried doing something a different way. They showed trust in Jesus. And as a result, their lives were open to new and amazing possibilities. For sure, this fishing trip was a success. But we all know that belief in Jesus doesn't mean we will avoid rough aspects of life. My friend Nathan Stanton, who I told you inspired me by using this text today, well, he's a lifelong pastor. He's also a very true inspiration. You see, Nathan's 52 years old, and he's battling ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a disease that already has robbed him of his speech and his mobility, and at some point, short of a miracle, it will take his life. My friend can't preach anymore. It takes great effort to write with the one hand that he can still use, but he continues to serve Christ. He hopes to continue to work to provide congregations with resources through the end of this appointed year, June 30th, 2022. And he's continuing to work with Kansas Wesleyan University on a leadership program. You see, Nathan has kept his eyes open and has been open to God's call for new possibilities, new opportunities for ministry, even amid such a dismal diagnosis and the ramifications of such a dreaded disease as ALS. Staying open to new possibilities, embracing new opportunities. That's the idea of staying open to following Jesus, and it means being open to new possibilities for us too. And that's something I think that we all can latch on to. To do that, we have to be willing to give up a little bit of our independence, be willing to admit that we can't do it on our own, be willing to trust in something bigger than ourselves, a Savior who loves us all so much that he was willing to suffer and die in our place. And that last part is so important. Did you notice the conclusion of the scripture today? Once the disciples showed that they could trust, Jesus promises them that there are even bigger things in store for them. Forget about going fishing for the next meal or just to sell some for your livelihood. They were going to be fishing for people 
to help share the love of God with others, to help save their very souls. Now my guess is none of us listening to this today live on the Sea of Galilee, Lake Gennesaret. Few of us in the Midwest even live near large bodies of water. But we do live where there are many fish in our seas. That day the disciples learned that they could be so much more than what they were by giving up some autonomy and following Jesus. I pray that all of us would have that same courage in the weeks, months, and years ahead. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.